Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. It is Sean and I'm coming to you mere hours before the rematch of all rematches for the diehard Ring of Honor fans as Samoa Joe versus CM Punk is set for tonight on AEW Collision. This evening's match is the first time these two gentlemen have been in a ring against each other in a singles match since March 19th, 2005. At FWA International Showdown from Coventry, England. Yes, David, you're probably going to kill me on my pronunciation. We'll talk more about this match later on in the show, but first, let's hit the control center to catch you up on the past week of news and professional wrestling. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Okay, our first news story this week, we're looking at the viewership for the third episode of AEW Collision. Now, this episode was on June 29th at Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, the viewership was 452,000 viewers. That was down 24% from the week before. And they were also down in the key demographic group, 18 to 49. They were down 37% from the week before with about 172,000 viewers falling into that key demographic group. Now, not everything is lost because AEW Dynamite from this past Wednesday was the number one TV show on cable. So take everything with a grain of salt. Now, are you one of those who believe the actual viewership still determines success of a company and a promotion? Or in this era of streaming podcasts and on-demand watching, should be looking at some different key metrics to decide whether this company is succeeding or failing? Let me know. Our second news story, John Mosley sat down with Justin Brazario of Sports Illustrated this past week to give his reasoning behind why there's so much blood in a John Mosley match. Now, Mosley believes that there should be less blood more often and blood shouldn't be saved for, say, a revenge type feud. Like, say, somebody attacked your wife, then that wrestler gets into a feud with that person, and that's the only time you see a lot of blood. Mosley compares it more to combat sports or like college wrestling where they actually have timeouts for occasions where they have to deal with blood from a competitor. Now do you agree with John Mosley? Is there not enough blood in professional wrestling? Or do you believe there's too much blood in professional wrestling? Go over to Radio Free PW on Twitter and let your voice be heard. Our third news story this week, Adam Cole did an interview with Superstar Crossover where he praises Ring of Honor for being the foundation of modern professional wrestling and the evolution of the sport that we love. He goes on to speak about the impacts of Samoa Joe, Debrissos, AJ Styles, The Young Bucks, Brian Danielson, and how their time in ROH shaped them and the style that the company promoted. So do you agree with Adam Cole? Would we see modern professional wrestling like we do today if it wasn't for a company like Real Honor? In front of Rose's latest video vlog, she gives us an update on her condition as she is talking with AEW Dr. Michael Sampson, who says Bonarosa is progressing on nicely, but still four to six weeks from possibly being ready to get back into the ring. We want to wish a continued health improvements for Funerosa. We can't wait to see her back in action. This has been your Radio Free Professional Wrestling Control Center for July 8th, 2023. It's Radio Free Pro Wrestling's Flashback. The guys catch you up on what you may have missed in the past week of wrestling action. Okay, time for us to go back and look at Money in the Bank 2023. Was it a good pay-per-view or was it ho-hum? Was it something just to pass some time till we get to SummerSlam? 
Okay, first thing, having a pay-per-view at 3 p.m. Eastern, I'm here for it. Yes, more of this, please. I know David would say it's a proper civilized time for people in England to watch professional wrestling live. And this crowd, it was so freaking awesome. This crowd brought the quality of this pay-per-view up too nauseous. Now, personally, I thought the WWE was trying to kill this crowd with the first two matches they decided to give them for Money in the Bank. Let's talk about this. The first one up, it's the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. And going into this, I felt so surely that Logan Paul was going to win this sucker. And seeing this match being first on the pay-per-view, I was going, aha, it's not going to be Logan Paul and Oh my god, is he going to cash in tonight? Now this crowd in London, they wanted no part of Logan Paul winning this match. They were solid behind L.A. Knight. Yeah. So I think the crowd was kind of happy to see Logan Paul bite the dust with Ricochet when they tried to do that Spanish fight off of the ropes into the two tables. I think they were happy to see Logan Paul not back in that match. But cut me surprised that Damian Priest won this match. But once I let it set in, there's so many more stories you can tell with Damian Priest having this briefcase because it already gives you some inner tension in the Judgment Day because Finn Balor is there with him. And we saw it later in the pay-per-view when we saw the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. But we'll get there. Let's go on to the second match of the night. Okay, if you've been with me for a couple weeks, you know I was pounding the desk on how much I hated the fact that Ronda Rousey and Shannon Baszler was the unified WWE Women Tag Team Champions. And after this match, allow me to say, I still thought it was a freaking bad idea, as this match did not last more than 9 minutes, and it had Shayna Baszler turn on Ronda Rousey in order for Liv Martin to get a pin on Ronda freaking Rousey. Why in the hell couldn't we have Isla Dawn and Alba Fire in this match? They should never have lost that match between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler if this was going to be the outcome. Now, reports have come out that Ronda Rousey has a hard out in her contract after SummerSlam, and she wants to do a feud with Shayna Baszler before she goes. Now, granted, I would love this match. I just don't think they should have tossed the titles onto them in order to start this feud. I feel like them losing to Alba Fire and Isla Dawn could have easily ignited this feud that you want to get to. You just didn't have a hot potato to title around. And we're back with Liv Morin and Raquel Gonzalez. And they won another tag title via not their own actions. It depends on the fact that, oh, hey, tag teams can't get along. Shan Glacier took out Ronda Rousey. And Babyface Team takes advantage. Why is the Babyface taking advantage of this situation? Okay, so we're up to the Intercontinental title match. Me and this crowd probably both felt like, what the hell's going on here? But finally, we had a hell of a match as Gunther and Matt Riddle laid lumber into each other. Now, granted, I think nobody thought Matt Riddle had a chance in hell to win the IC title off of Gunther right now. But this is a match you need to go back and watch if you watch anything from this pay-per-view. The WWE protected Matt Riddle by having him take up his ankle. Walter focused on the ankle that Imperium injured from the previous Monday Night Raw. And Riddle is forced to tap out once Walter beat the heck out of uh, Riddle's ankle and locked in an ankle lock. It was a fine match. And yeah, it only lasted 7 minutes and 45 seconds. But it was perfectly good professional wrestling. Okay, so we're up to the fourth match. And I had high expectations for this match coming into this pay-per-view. It's Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. Now on paper, you think, heck, this should be a highly entertaining match. There's nobody in WWE right now that has more heat than Dominic Mysterio. Now granted, Cody is coming in not as hot as he was due to a few losses that he's occurred with the bloodline. But still, I thought it was going to be a good match. 
this match seemed like a May Night Raw slash Superstars TV match they just toss onto this pay-per-view to kill time. And the fact that Dominant Mysterio ate the pin and ate it clean, how does this help Dominant Mysterio? I was really thinking, oh, they're going to fly Brock Lesnar over, Brock's going to take out Cody, and it's going to be a cheap heel victory for Dominant Mysterio, and he can brat about it all summer long. And when I saw this was the fourth match on the card, I went, okay, we're not going to get Brock. We're going to get Brock later on. Oh, by the way, um, the final night on Monday Night Raw, we got Brock. As they set up their feud for SummerSlam between Cody and Brock. But let's move on to the fifth match of the night. It's the women's turn at the Money in the Bank ladder match. And this match was better than the men's match. It has the most creative finish I've seen in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Where Eos guy takes the handcuff that Trish and Zoe Zart put on Becky Lynch. And she handcuffs Becky to Bailey. And she literally climbs over the back of Bailey. And I thought, oh, this is just a great way to kickstart this tension and damage control. As I know they're telling similar stories with the men in the women's case. I'm kind of interested to see how EO and Bailey work this feud later on in the summer. We saw this last night on Friday Night Smackdown that EO tried to cash in on Asuka on Friday Night Smackdown. And she was basically stopped by Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair both. So the briefcase did not get cash. EO still has it. So is she going after Asuka? Because I love to see a EO versus Asuka match. Yes, please. Sign me up. And we can go for this match without saying what a hell of a job Trish Stratus did in her very first ladder match. She was there. She took some major bumps. Like, she got parabon on a freaking ladder. I'm going like, oh my god. I never thought I'd see the day to see Trish Stratus take a bump like this this late in her career i mean really she's just back because she loves professional wrestling she loves entertaining the fans she doesn't really need to take this spot but she's being thrown around like a rag doll and it's gonna be interesting because i was thinking going into this pay-per-view that the case was going to go to either trish or zoe Zert, a similar dynamic as we're seeing with belly and eo but it would be actually trish and zoe with becky still in there trying to get the case away from them but I think this might work out just a little bit better. And Becky Lynch honestly doesn't need a title now in this part of her career. I feel like she's done everything she can do with a world title. And this feud between her and Trish Stratus doesn't need a world title to be entertaining. Honestly, the only thing I was let down in this match was the fact that I didn't see our beloved David run down to the ring and literally handcuff himself to Becky in order to cause her to match. I mean, it's in London. David, why couldn't you just drive down to do that? I mean, granted, I'm happy you didn't get arrested. Okay, we're up to the sixth match of the evening. It's the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth freaking Rollins and Finn Balor. Now, similar to the IC title match, I don't think any of us believe that Seth Rollins will leave London without his title belt. And Seth won this match after just a little bit of, I would say, outside interference, but Damian Priest didn't do anything to Finn Balor except for the fact that Finn was a dumb, dumb heel for a second, and he looked over at Damian going like, what the hell are you doing here with your briefcase? Are you trying to cash in on my match? Like, dude, we're bros. Why are you trying to get this match now? Can't you just wait? And Seth takes advantage and gets a clean victory over Finn Balor. I kind of wish they didn't do the briefcase tease here as let these two gentlemen have a hell of a match because you know they would because it's Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins. But here we are. Okay, we're up to the main event of the evening. It's the Bloodline Civil War as we saw Jay and Jimmy Uso versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this could be one of my matches of the year. I thought this tag team match had everything you need in this feud as we finally get going with the split of this unsuffable force that was the bloodline. And there's so much tension and drama in this match. And the fact that Roman Reigns finally got pinned for the first time in three years. Now, you can question where it should have been Jimmy or Jay to get the pin, but the fact that Roman finally got pinned and pinned clean. To me, it was like a wow moment because I thought it'd be forever before we see Roman to get a clean pin to go against him. Now, I still got a feeling that Solo Sokoa is going to be the one to take the title off of Roman. As during this match, there's parts where Roman's just breaking down like he's just collapsing on himself. He's like, Paul, let's get out here. These London fans, they don't know feet. They're stupid. Let's go. And it's like Roman hits his Superman punch his spear, and the Usos kick out, and he's sitting over in the corner with his hands on his head, going like, what can I do? What do I need to do to win this match? And it's Solo Sokoa going like, come on, bro. Let me show you. And Solo just goes off and has this wild, crazy run where he's just beating both of his brothers up, and this gets Roman back into match for just a little bit. But we see Solo get taken out by his own actions as he's trying to dive on to one of the Usos that takes him out and that allows both the Usos to team up on Roman. We see Jay hit the Frost Flash and we leave London with the blend line broken up and Roman Reigns not this invisible monster anymore. He finally got pinned. Now we'll talk about later on in this episode about the tribal court. Was it a good, a bad, or an ugly? Let's find out. It's RFPW's Top 5 Moments of the Week. Okay, very new segment here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. It's the Top 5. And this week, I'm doing the Top 5 Moments that you need to go back and watch from this past week in professional wrestling. Now, these moments are not in any certain order whatsoever, but my first moment I want to talk about came from last week's episode of AEW Collision. As we saw All Eagle, even Page, come down to the ring after MJF had his very first match on Collision. He basically beat a local professional wrestler from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and he went on to say, hey, I'm willing to fight anybody else who's from the city. And here comes Ethan Page out to the ring. And he cuts one of the best freaking babyface promos that you have ever heard in your life. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's that damn good. Okay, to not be outdone, Shayna Baszler on Money at Raw basically did what all us professional wrestling fans want to do to Ronda Rasley. Basically tell her why we don't want to see her in professional wrestling. And oh, by the way, on the way out, deliver her. One of the nastiest knee to the face I've ever seen. Now this has made me want to watch this match even more. And I'm happy finally we get to see the old Shayna Baszler. The Shayna Baszler doesn't give a beat. The one from NST who was one of the longest running female champions of that promotion. And now she's back with a vengeance. And I'm so happy that the WWE is going with the right way here. Making Shayna the baby face. Because there's no way on this planet that anybody's going to cheer Ronda Rousey in this feud. And to start this, you can clearly see that Ronda's going to be a heel on the way out and put her friend over, which is cool. Okay, the third moment I want to talk about, it comes from NXT, and I can't believe I'm saying this, it's NXT Underground. It's actually way better than what they did with Raw Underground, and I don't know how much they changed the two, but this the fact that Gable Stevenson was tossing around fools like left and right and center, I thought it was a cool freaking moment. And the fact that they didn't do the thing to 84, was I was afraid they were going to do, they are going to make 84 for a dumb-dumb babyface, as in he doesn't know that Gable Stevenson is the brother to David Kemp. 
I was really thinking like, oh, I'm just waiting for Stevenson to turn on 84, and this is going to be the new tag team that was going to face off against the Creed brothers. But wait a minute, the Creed's lost their match to the Dyad, and now the Creed's are out of NXT, most likely going over to SmackDown or Raw. I was confused. I was thinking like, the Dyad was on their way out. I know both of those gentlemen have asked for their releases, and their contracts are coming up near the end of October. So I thought this would have been the perfect way for them to get written off of TV, set at home for a while, cool off, and they could go on their way. But they went the other way, and the Crees are now probably going to go to the main roster. And I'm kind of robbed of this Stevenson brother versus Creed brother dream matchup that would be like a freaking hoss fight. Come on, guys. Okay, my last two moments of the week come from AEW Dynamite. One being the promo package for Nick Wayne as he's making his debut next week on AEW TV as he will be facing off against Square Strickland. But the moment that I really want to talk about is the tag team that you thought would implode, but now I kind of don't want to see them implode. I want to see them with the AEW World Tag Team titles. I'm talking about MJF and Adam Cole, baby. MJF plays the most inconsiderate, ingenuous baby faces I've ever seen, and I love every minute of it. As he's running around the ring, just like super excited to do all the Adam Cole mannerisms as he does his entrance, and after the match they win, he brings out a pretty small cake, but hey, it's Adam Cole's birthday, and MJF is like, here, here's a cake for you. He tries to put Cole's face into the cake. Cole spins him around, puts MJF's face in the cake. And here's MJF smiling. And I'm going like, I want to see more of this interaction between these two guys. Because I feel like both of them are trying to outsmart each other. And it's just highly entertaining. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly in the week that was professional wrestling. Okay, so I'm going to do my good this week. My good this week came from NXT as we saw Blair Davenport versus Roxanne Perez. Now, this match gets started from the get-go as we saw Davenport come down to the ring and get jumped by a piss-off Roxanne Perez and she tosses Davenport into the ring and it's a freaking fight. Now, Blair Davenport gets the upper advantage. She gets a victory over Roxanne Perez, but I want to see more of this feud. These two ladies can go in the freaking ring, and I like this more aggressive, kind of mad as hell versus a Roxanne Perez. And this was a good victory for the people who don't know who the hell Blair Davenport is. Now, granted, now, granted, all us wrestling fans who follow her career know she's B Priestley and she's freaking good. But this was a good way to get her started in NXT proper. Okay, my bag comes from SmackDown last night. And it was just the fact that the Tribal Court lasted so long during the first hour of SmackDown. And it played the Usos to be the dumb, dumb babyface. Do you really believe the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, is easily going to hand over control of the kingdom after one defeat? One minor defeat? No. And he lays a lay on Jay, gets down on one knee, and Lobo City. He saw it coming. I mean, like, everybody in the building saw it coming except for Jay Uso. And I'm happy that they got him back at the end of the show to get some revenge on Roman and Solo. But the fact that after an amazing match on Money in the Bank, we get to match the Square Garden. And this next step in the storyline as we're trying to build up Jay and Jimmy as these two conquering heroes. One of who may be the person to defeat Roman Reigns and end his never-ending run as the undisputed Universal WWE Champion. Now my ugly, it comes from AEW Dynamite and it was the semi-final match for the Owen Hart 
tournament on the women's side, as we saw Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, bring out last year's title belt trophy that we haven't seen since last year against Ruby Soho. I love these two ladies. These two ladies can wrestle. I know that Britt Baker was recovering from an illness or may still been a little bit underneath the weather, but the end of the match really kind of threw me for a second because it never really got going and they used the title belt to cause Britt Baker a chance to advance. So we get Ruby Soho to advance out of that side of the bracket to face the winner of Athena versus Willow Nightingale. Still, I mean, it's going to be a good final, but I really felt bad for Britt Baker. I felt like they could have done some more to protect Britt in this loss. And personally, why the hell is Britt losing here? I would kind of like to see her defend her title. And that has been my good, the bad, and the ugly in this week in professional wrestling. What's on tap? The guys give you their picks on what you can't miss this week. Let's break down what's on tap for this evening's episode of AEW Collision as we see Athena versus Will Nightingale and their semifinal match for the Own Heart Women's Tournament. The winner's gonna face Ruby Soho. Personally, I love to see Will get the victory over Athena here, and I feel like that would be the proper Babyface Hill lineup, and that might be the way to go. But you know, it's AEW, so we could see easily see Athena versus Ruby Soho, who can't both go in the ring. Yes, now. We've probably seen this match in WWE once or twice, probably. And the fact that you're on this course of building Will Nightingale as a up-and-coming babyface, what a better way, since she lost the NJ- NJPW Strong Women's title, to have a victory over the ROH Women's Champion in Athena. Okay, we'll also see Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs and their semifinal match for the Men's Owen Hart Tournament. The winner will face off against either CM Punk or Samoa Frickin' Joe. This is a harder match to call because I don't know how AEW sees these two guys because I feel like both of them are blue chip stocks. Personally, I would give the win to Ricky Starts. I feel like Ricky Starts should have been one of the pillars in the four pillars title match back at Double or Nothing, but they seem to be kind of cool on Ricky Starts and I don't understand why. On the other hand, I love Powerhouse Hobbs. I feel like he could have been a freaking amazing babyface, this Hobbs babyface, kind of like the junkyard dog of this generation, but they turned him heel. They got him lined up with QTV and QT Marshall. Why in the hell? I don't know. So I'm hoping that Ricky Starts win this match. It's going to be an entertaining match. These two guys have good chemistry in the ring. Now let's move on to FTR versus Switchblade, Jay White, and Rock Hard, Juice Robinson. This would be a fun match. It's one of those crazy AEW World Tag Team Eliminator matches because in AEW, in order to get a title match, you got to defeat a champion in a non-title match. With that being said, I feel like that basically tips the hand that Jay White and Rock Hard, Juice Robinson, is going to win this match in order to get a title title match unless they do some fancy storytelling where FTR wins this match and down the road you have Jay White and Juice Robinson cost FTR something or they basically may FTR give them a title match okay so the other match we can talk about is Samoa Joe versus CM Punk and their semi-final for the Owen Hart Men's Tournament okay I'm both excited and kind of worried about this match we know the injury history of CM Punk in the last couple of years, he's had two major injuries he's coming off of. But on paper, this should be a hell of a match. It's the Moe Joe versus CM Punk. They're going to draw eyeballs to the TV just based on their names and what they can do in the ring from what people remember from back in the day. And I don't want to see Samoa Joe lose here, but I don't see a way to advance Samoa Joe from this match here against CM Punk without 
Punk actually being Joe. Maybe there's somebody that comes down to cost Punk the match, and that's how Joe advances on from this spot, but that would be the only way I can see Samoa Joe getting a victory over CM Punk. It's not going to be clean. It's going to have some kind of a weird finish. So I would think it's going to be CM Punk versus Ricky Starks next week in Calgary. And that's the moment that CM Punk turns on AEW and Ricky Starks. Which will be kind of entertaining because he's already been fighting the hill for the last couple of weeks. And that is what is on tap for this evening on AEW Collision. Now, before we go, this little bit of production notes here for you. I'm going to go back to a once a week show highlighting what happened in the week that was professional wrestling. And when we get to a major pay-per-view, I'm going to do a special preview and post episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling for that pay-per-view. I think that would be a better way to play this while I'm flying solo for a bit. Let me know what you think at Radio Free PW on Twitter. You can also email me at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. And until I see you next Saturday, have an amazing week and stay stunning. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at radiofreeprowrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.